Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. I think it has to do with culture and all of these signals that we're sending to our teams, to our employees, what is okay to bring to work. And I think for a long time, especially in the industrial age, we expected our workers to be uh, methodical, kind of heads down, doing a particular task and not really sticking their heads up and thinking about how could we do this better? What are ways that we can actually evolve what we're doing and, and take it to the next level, disrupt the status quo and do things in a new and different way? That really is a, a new way of thinking about work. And when we talk about creativity and curiosity at work, it has to do with disrupting what's been done before and making that acceptable and actually expected within the workplace. Anne is the founder and CEO of Spring Street Solutions, a firm dedicated to cultivating creativity and strengthening corporate culture. As a former professional actor, singer, and dancer, Anne has spent over 15 years building and scaling businesses. Her leadership roles have spanned from general manager and VP of sales strategy and operations in a high-growth private company to the head of learning, development, and culture at a multinational public company with more than 4,000 employees. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. One of the topics that I myself personally am the most passionate about have to do with curiosity, creativity, innovation in the workplace. And I'm always very curious to see how we can unleash all of these things in the workplace. More importantly, because when you look at the at the skills that World Economic Forum, the Institute for the Future, McKinsey, and all of these big consulting firms are talking about as the most important skills for the future, you're always going to see creativity, curiosity, innovation in the top 10. So that's why I am so excited to be talking to Anne today with about, about all these topics and how to make sure that we have curious, creative, and innovative workplaces. Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me to talk about such an important topic near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited about it. And let's just, you know, go right into the topic. And I want to ask you this. When, when you look well at the World Economic Forum, Institute for the Future, and all these organizations saying, if you want to stay relevant, professionally relevant and thriving and whatnot, you're going to be curious, you're going to use your imagination, you're going to be creative and whatnot. Now, there's a gap between saying that and understanding how you make that happen in the workplace. For a, an ordinary citizen of the world, they would think like, wait a second, how can I be curious at work? What does that mean? So <laughs> I wanna turn it over. I wanna turn over this question to you and ask you, 
what does it mean to be curious, to uh, be creative, to use our imagination in the workplace? How does that look like? Yes. Oh, what a wonderful question to kick us off. And I think it has to do with culture and all of these signals that we're sending to our teams, to our employees, what is okay to bring to work. And I think for a long time, especially in the industrial age, we expected our workers to be uh, methodical, kind of heads down, doing a particular task and not really sticking their heads up and thinking about how could we do this better? What are ways that we can actually evolve what we're doing and, and take it to the next level, disrupt the status quo and do things in a new and different way? That really is a, a new way of thinking about work. And when we talk about creativity and curiosity at work, it has to do with disrupting what's been done before and making that acceptable and actually expected within the workplace. So I'm a big believer that this is an incredible time for our workforce and our workplace to evolve and to take a leap forward in terms of how do we bring technology into our workforce? How do we bring agile talent into our workforce? And how do we expect more of the teams that we've built to bring their best selves, to bring their ideas, but we have to cultivate that kind of culture. Otherwise, um, it won't be expected of them and, and people won't bring their best ideas. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned one word that I think is, is, is key in this conversation about creating curious, uh, uh, creative workplaces. And that word is culture. Because it is intuitive to me when you tell me, wait a second, you know, if you, if you want to thrive in a chaotic, uncertain, volatile world, you got to let your people come in with ideas, with questions that can unleash more creativity, more questions, and the possibility of more innovation and whatnot. But the reality is that when you go to the workplace, you find cultures that, that prevent people from doing so. And even more importantly, sometimes these cultures are intentionally driving people in the opposite direction, meaning if we ask you to be innovative, but if you are and you make a mistake, you're going to be punished for that, right? <laughs> so that, so it sounds intuitive and, and, and the right thing to do to, to be creative and curious. How can we create a culture that is open to that? How, how can we create a culture where people are not afraid of trying new things, or, 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 of, of taking the right amount of risk that can be conducive to more value and you know, also not be afraid of, of failing and being punished if they fail. Yes. Well, I think it, it starts with a growth mindset. It starts with the belief, the common shared belief among the culture that trying new things is expected, that we're expected to continue to grow and learn. And it takes experimentation. It takes failure to gain those insights and to do things in a different way. And you really want to celebrate not just the failure, but the learning from the failure. So it's a two-step process. Uh, we want to fail fast. We want to learn from it so that we can evolve the business. We can evolve our skills, our thinking, connect more to our customers. So I think growth mindset is huge. I think empathy is also really important, you know, a critical element in design thinking to start with that empathy, to connect with our customer, our, our clients, and our employees to really feel and walk in their shoes um, and understand what they're going through so that we can build the best products and services. Uh, and then I think it's also about being disciplined in our creativity. And I, I talk a lot about that with, with uh, my clients. 
that when we think about the word creativity, it sounds so ephemeral, loosey-goosey, oh, you know, chaotic. People are just doing whatever they want. They're being creative. Um, but in, in reality, it's about having the discipline and the real methodical spaces to be creative. And that involves um, rigorous experimentation and then adapting, evolving how you do business week to week, reflecting on it. What worked? What didn't work? Let's try something new. And when you encourage that kind of behavior across the team, then you get something really special where people are bringing their new ideas. They're being celebrated for having new, new ideas, even if they don't go anywhere. But that kind of modeling is really critical to create a culture of creativity and curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you are providing an element of framework and methodology to innovation, curiosity, and creativity. Because very often, like you said before, people, uh, maybe some leaders may think this is a fluffy thing up in the air. You know, how do we translate whatever creative space we're giving our people into something that creates value for for themselves, for the organization? And uh, it's it's powerful when, when you put a framework on this, because then you can be very intentional about what people are creating, how you turn their failures into into learning, how you turn their successes into the into possibilities for the organization. Um, th- but of course, this has to do a lot with leadership. And and l- let me ask you this: What do you think are the the capabilities, the skills that leaders have to learn or embrace in order to? optimize or maximize the opportunities of having creative people working with them uh, and not killing that creativity. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things, um, you know, that I think is important to think about as a leader is building inclusive, diverse workplaces and holding the belief that to get the best out of my team, I have to pull in different perspectives, different experiences and walks of life. And that's going to require my not hiring someone who looks just like this star performer. I'm actually seeking out someone who complements that that skill set and that uh, approach. So I love that inclusion and diversity and cultivating this sense of belonging is really one of the keys to unlocking creativity within workplace. I think it also has to do with reinforcing the belief that you can always get better and it takes humble leadership. So the leader has to uh, really proactively seek out criticism, seek out, uh, hey, challenge me on this. I expect you to tell me why this is not a good idea and let's discuss it. Obviously, you need to do that in a safe way. You can't invite that and then um, you know, have negative consequences for the person who brings it up. But you're really creating this psychologically safe environment where people are bringing their ideas they're asked to challenge the status quo on a regular basis. And that's what's expected among the group. And that really does take leadership's modeling to create that kind of culture. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it also requires a high level of maturity as, as a leader. Because to be honest, you know, to sit in a table and, and encourage somebody to tell you what you're doing wrong, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's rough, right? And I think it's rough for everybody. It's, it's, I don't think that comes naturally to everybody. I think that has to be, it seems to me that that has to be nurture and, and uh, y- y- you know, uh, it has to be embraced on a day-to-day basis, if you will. I have this concept that I call being radically open-minded. I tell people, if you are open-minded, 
what's going on is that somebody else comes with an idea that is challenging your idea, and yet that new idea is still aligned with your system of values, beliefs, your dogmas, if you will. Now, being that's being open-minded. Now, being radically open-minded is when somebody comes with an idea that completely challenges your systems of values, your beliefs. Imagine that you are the guy in the 1500s thinking the earth is flat or the <laughs> earth is the center of the sun, and then comes Galileo telling you that's wrong, right? It's not. That's not right. And then shows you enough evidence for you to say, whoa, I'm, I was wrong about my system of beliefs, my system of values. You're right. That to me is being radically open-minded and it requires a, a, a ton of maturity, if you will, right? <laughs> yes. Maturity, confidence. Yeah. Um, you have to have enough ego to believe, hey, let's try it. The world isn't going to crumble if we try something and it doesn't mm. work. Um, but I'm strong enough to say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. And I think that really uh, correlates strongly to this yes and mentality. And that's a borrowed from the improv world and uh, you know, my, my background in the theater and the arts, uh, just saying yes and building on people's ideas and having that, I love the radically open-minded <laughs> philosophy, uh, but you're really saying, yes, let's try it. What's the worst that could happen? Um, are we gonna try this? If it doesn't work, no, but let's try it for a set period of time, experiment, iterate, uh, and then refine it. So I think yeah. it, the ability and the willingness to experiment regularly and try new things is, is really critical to fostering this kind of environment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I very often reflect about in one of these, you know, Sunday ruminations that I sometimes have, and I think all of us have probably, is I, I imagine what would have happened if over the past 50, 60, 70 years since the advent of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the, you know, industrialized age after, you know, Second World War, what would have happened if workplaces would have encouraged people to be creative and to get outside of the norm instead of telling them, you got to follow these processes every day, day in and day out. We want you to come in, follow the process because we got to operate. But if you are an outlier and you have a better idea on new processes, we're, we're going to welcome that. I imagine how much more value, how much more, how much better we could be as societies today if that had been encouraged, you know, over the past 50 or 60 years. And I ask this question because I want to look forward and say, what prevented us from doing so in the past? And how can we tell people, this is the process. We got to follow it every now and then because, well, that's the process, but we are not attached to the process forever. If there's a better way, a new way, or we got to get rid of that altogether and do something different, we're open to it. I, I just imagine how much more value we could be creating for from the organizational perspective, but for society in general. Yes. Yeah. More value for the org, but also more fulfilling for the worker. Yeah. I mean, people want to feel that their ideas are valuable and meaningful and that they're really called to bring forth their, their best creative insights. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're describing, Enrique, is, is really enabled by our technologically driven world now. Yeah. Because all of that automation, all of that process that you've been describing, now that can be automated. And yeah. as we bring in more technology, as we start to engineer ways of outsourcing things that are repetitive that's why the skill of creativity is so critical in the future of work is because we're asking more of our employees to bring not not just 
their, their skills, their abilities, but their perspectives, their humanity. We're, we're really inviting people to bring who they are, um, soup to nuts to work. And that's a, that's a value add because that's gonna enable us to connect more with our customers, with each other. That's what makes work so meaningful. So I think we're at a very interesting time in, in the evolution of the workforce and it's fun to be a part of it. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that people ask me all the time in the HR space is, do you, Enrique, do you think HR will, will go obsolete? And my answer pretty much is the same all the time. The answer is yes, if we continue to do the same things that we've done over the past many years. Because what's going to happen is that if you continue to focus on process administration, on system management, on repetitive tasks that can be automated, there will be... Today, we are at the point, but as we go forward, technology will become more, more intelligent, smarter, and it will be able to replace those repetitions, those, those administra- that administration of processes. And then we wouldn't have anything in our hands if we didn't do anything in addition to that before. And, and I translate that into, you got to learn things that are outside of the traditional HR space. For example... You know, you talk about creativity, you talk about innovation, you talk about curiosity. These things should, should be human, but, you know, somehow they were like Sir Ken Robinson said once, you know, they were educated out of us in a school and then they were processed out of us in, at work. You know, we got to embrace these things to be able to answer complex people processes questions in a different way, not just from the, from the process and from the administration perspective. And, and to me, this is just powerful. You know, it's what you're saying. You know, we have to be able to connect dots, build relationships, be more creative. And that's what's going to keep us hopefully relevant. Yes. Oh, and I love your, your mention of connecting the dots because I really believe that's what creativity is. It's mm. if you look at children who are innately creative and curious Um, They are ingesting data and information at such a rapid rate. Everything is new to them. So as they absorb new inputs, they're recombining and and creating, connecting new dots all the time. And it's just like breathing. It's as easy as breathing. So we need to inspire that kind of um, fresh beginner's mind in Mm -hmm. the workplace. And that's where it becomes fun, the recombining of wow, this is happening in this group. I wonder if we applied it to this group. We've never thought of that. Let's try it out, see what happens. And it's that, um, that openness to invention and play that makes uh, work fun and, and meaningful and creates a lot of new value. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that has come up very often in my podcast conversations is this idea of human resources building building relationships and community among people. I also, the, the, the other side of that coin is we also have to be able to build relationships between things. Because what happens is that if we know about some people process, say we are experts in employee experience, and we have the ability to connect that, say, with data, which is outside of the HR bubble, with technology, which is outside of the HR bubble, and with finance, which is outside of the HR bubble, and we connect those dots, whoa, we're going to be in a place that is unique, right? Because then we're going to be able to go back to our business leaders and say, wait a second, look at this employee experience a, a program that we are offering to the organization. This is how we're going to maximize it using technology. This is this is the data that tells us what what happened in the past and tells us or or gives us the opportunity to measure going forward. And then this is how much it costs and the ROI that's going to be creating. We are going to be in such an amazing place if we have the ability to do that, right? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's all about building the business case and you have yeah, to do correct. That where you sit in the organization. But yeah. I think it's also about being a master storyteller. And if you mm, think about yeah. any company, um, you can be a, a product business, consumer product, you can be a services company. It all comes down to people. It's the yeah. people who are touching all of those things and creating the values and creating the stories. Yeah. These products and services impact people. And we always have to come back to that as HR professionals and as just business leaders is what's the story here? What story are we telling? How can we communicate this better? How can we make it compelling for each other um, and our end user? Uh, abso absolutely, uh, absolutely. That's that's the other dot that I should have uh, mentioned before and I'm glad you brought it up, the ability for us to tell those stories. Um, you know, one thing that comes often too is the fact that and, and this is not just HR, by the way. I, you know, my listeners will always think like, "Man, Rick is so hard with us." Uh, but you know, if I was doing a podcast about engineering, I would be saying the same thing. It's only that I'm focused on HR, right? Oh, right. Uh, our jargon, our our business, our language has to be expanded because we only speak HR, right? It is like, you know, my native language is Spanish. It's me trying to go to I don't know China only speaking Spanish. I probably would be able to communicate with you know, I have a handful of people, but not with everybody. So I probably want to learn Chinese or English or any other language, depending on what I am, so that I'm able to effectively communicate with others. And it's the same thing that happens in a chart. You know, if we have the ability, like you're saying, to tell the story in the language that my, that the other person that I'm talking to speaks, then I'm going to be in a fantastic place because sometimes, yes, you got people in finance, they speak the language of HR, but isn't it better for us to meet them where they are and to be able to speak to them in their language so that they say, whoa, wait a second, this guy is talking to me about people's processes and people's things. And, you know, they are saying so in, you know, cost, ROI, PL, blah, blah, blah. I think we, we would be able to provide much more value if we tell those stories in their language. I think that's a, 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 it's, it's a way to serve them better, if you will. Absolutely. The language of business, but also the language of the human experience. Correct. So just breaking that down is a critical skill. Correct. Correct. Let me ask you this. I, one thing that I know you, you love uh, as a concept and, 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 and sharing it with your audience is change agility. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, has, has, uh, has so much value. And I want to ask you, what, what does it mean and how can we become more agile? if you will, when it comes to change? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a big topic. And I think um, if there's one thing that we've all experienced collectively, it's change. It's been mm -hmm. thrust upon us. It's landed in our laps this year. And uh, change agility, the ability to adapt, the ability to um, let go in some areas <laughs> that no longer serve us, whether that be people or process or uh, business practices, it's really uh, welcoming the new and that takes a lot of practice. And I think, uh, like it or not, that's, we've all been practicing it this year. Is that <laughs> but I, I think it also ties to the, the concept of creative constraints. Mm -hmm. And because we've been limited in some ways in 2020, how can we actually use that to our advantage? How can it help us to focus and really ramp up? Hey, where are we creating value now that everyone's distributed? Yeah. Um, what are people spending their time on? What are people's pain points? And as a business, we ha constantly have to be iterating and refining our, our business model, our, um, our offering to our customers to, to meet them where they are, to meet the moment 
And the moment in 2020 is not the moment of 2019. So I think that change agility is really flexed in times like these and can lead us to be even more creative, even with those creative constraints. Absolutely. And I, there's one there's one concept that I have in addition to being radically open-minded, another concept that I have for for people in general is this idea of having mental flexibility. And mental flexibility to me is exactly what you said. It's the capacity to change and the capacity to learn. And very often the capacity to change, you 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 mentioned this before, is the capacity to let go of the way things were before. And that is so hard though. I mean, it is just so difficult to, to be able to say, you know what, uh, this business model that we, that we have in place, it, it doesn't work anymore, right? It just, it just uh, uh, it's not delivering value. It's only working because we are forcing the process to work, but not because it is actually uh, working by, uh, you know, uh, um, and adding value, if you will. So this idea of change agility and adaptability, like you mentioned before, uh, to me, are critical components of a uh, of of somebody who really wants to stay relevant going forward. Oh yeah, and you think about how challenged we all have been in terms of our preconceived notions of what work looked like, mm-hmm. the expectation to come into an office five days per week. Well, that's been disrupted big mm-hmm. time, and so reinventing and being open to that change hey, maybe our, our team doesn't need this, or maybe it does need it in certain pockets, or how can we re-engineer this? Um, that openness to, to disrupting the relationship between the worker and the, and the workplace, I think that's, that's all on the table. And it's exciting to reinvent that relationship because that invites new talent from different yeah. areas, from different backgrounds. Uh, you know, an engineer doesn't need to look like all of these other engineers. It can yeah. be more diverse or from a different kind of background. So I think that really helps make the business case for greater diversity, greater inclusion, just forward thinking in terms of what does our future workforce look like? What does our world look like in the future? Our workplace needs to reflect that. And that's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like like you're saying, this is an incredible opportunity for us to reimagine, uh, to reimagine work. And, and, you know, the excuse of we've always done it this way. There's nothing better. It just doesn't apply anymore. Right. It, 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 now we are, nobody, nobody, nobody has a recipe of what to do these days. I mean, we are, we were thrown into this chaotic, difficult and, and you, unique timing history that we have to summon all our, you know, creativity, imagination, curiosity from ourselves and from everybody else around us to say, all right, what do we want work to be? going forward? How, how do we want it to look like? What are the things that we know won't happen anymore, like work from the office and, and we need to do differently? And, and then another concept that comes into play here is this idea of being flexible about the way people want to work. I know people that they, they hate working from home and I know people who hate working from the office. <laughs> and why not to be more flexible, right? If we know that it works and we know that people drive uh, you know, they sort of, uh, they draw kind of inspiration and energy from different ways of working. Why can't we cater to each of them? Why do we have to have this cookie cutter kind of approach to to everything? So fascinating. And, and, and as we wrap up this wonderful and brilliant conversation about some topics that you can tell I'm super passionate about, I want to ask you one question to to wrap up. All of that we've been chatting about, creativity, curiosity, innovation in the workplace, they they force 
people in HR and business leaders to, to re-engineer or re-architect their culture, to be able to be open to this. And I want to ask you for those companies that are beginning this journey of redesigning, reimagining their culture, what do you think should be the first step in their to-do list, the first step in their journey? Mm. Well, I do think it does start with what, what you believe you are. It's uh, a little bit existential, but <laughs> you know, coming down to you know, values, uh, what you hold dear, what you want all the people to reflect and, and kind of um, you know, reverberate across the company, you really need to get clear and crisp around that first. And that's not just, you know, having it written down, but really living it, living those core values that the mission, vision, uh, your organizational purpose is critical. So I think that's really the architecture. And then you can start to put some meat on the bones there uh, in terms of, okay, how does that show up in our behaviors? How does that show up in uh, how we reward each other? Uh, are we rewarding people trying new things? Or are we just celebrating the things that work out to your point? Um, if you fail, are you going to be really penalized for it? Or is that a demonstration of your growth mindset and you tried something new? So I think um, it kind of trickles down from those core values, what you hold dear as a company and what you believe. Uh, and then you go from there. Absolutely. And then you train those muscles to be strong going forward, right? Once you, right. Once you put them on the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the skeleton of your values and, and your, your mission as, a, as an organization. So, and thank you so much for sharing these ideas with me and spending this time with me. It was great chat. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.